As we get ready to look at Scripture, you can turn in your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And I um, want to uh, talk to you about what happens when you get hurt. Thank you all. What happens when you get hurt? All of us face those moments when um, we get hurt. Hurt is something that is real. When someone causes pain in our life, when someone causes us to suffer, and because of trust or because of a broken promise or because someone else did something or said something, it really does hurt. And, and as I was looking at this message and reflecting, I only could think about my boys. My boys, as you see here, Pete and Tony, they have both grown up. They are out of the house. Um, it's, um, it's so sad that they are gone. The only benefit is that they don't hog the wings and I get to have more. Let's, let's not go to that one yet. So, but the one that I want to show you is this one. When I think about my boys, I think about them as them, they were young and how excited they were to play together. But as they got older, they began to find out that they were different. You know, Pete was someone who wanted order. And when, when we would go and play sports, he wanted us to play as if we had a referee and a whistle and to play according to the rules and to play hard and to do it to win. Tony, when he would play sports, he just wanted to have fun and he didn't care and sometimes he wouldn't give his best. And him and Pete would just go back and forth and on the basketball court, man, they would just go. And even as they were young and the older they got, they just continued just to just really get at each other. And when I think about them at this age, it was that moment of innocence, but then as they grew up, they began to hurt each other. And, and how many know that sometimes within families, we tend to hurt each other more because we're around each other, we're close and immaturity, and, and we don't appreciate them like we do now. And they began to really, you know, just get at each other. And I remember so many times, Tony would come to me and says, Dad, I'm done with Pete. I tried my best, but I'm done. And Pete would come to me, Dad, I'm so done with Tony. And I remember even, even as they were quite older in, in their years, they would just have such a hard time with each other. And, um, and we would tell them, you know, hey, just love your brother. He's going to be your best friend one day. He's going he's to be that person that you're going to depend on. And, and uh, because friends will come and go, but you'll always have your family. And, and I just would think about those times. I thought about those times when they would come home from church on Sunday and they would sit at a table and they would look opposite ways, both of them breathing out of their nose, <laughs> Didn't mad at you, mad at you. And, and yet we kept telling them these principles that I'm going to share this morning. And then what you see is when Pete's wedding last year, you see how they became best friends. Let's go to the next one. And Pete asked Tony, would you be my best man? And, um, and it was so precious to see all of those years of trying to get them to get along. And here they are, and they get along. And now as they are older, you know, just even just a few weeks ago, we were able to be with them. And, and we're at, 
at Applebee's together and, and they're just like brothers just having fun and you know they they started to need they needed competition all of a sudden so they started doing who could slide the ketchup bottle closer to the edge than the other and so they would slide and slide and then also they started sliding steak knives you know it's like wait a minute you know I thought you guys were getting along but it was just I sat back as a father and said wow look at my kids look at my kids and I was so proud and, you know, and as I was growing up in our house, I, you know, I was the most mature boy that we had. And my parents would agree that I was the only boy. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but you know what? I learned over the years to appreciate my sisters and to know that, that even though I hurt them, that's my family. And over the years, I've apologized. And even recently, I've asked for forgiveness. Why? Because I want that kind of relationship with them because when you allow hurt to set in it really does tear you up more than it does them it really does affect you more if you don't take care of the hurt in your life and and in second timothy we will see how paul handles this hurt paul handles the hurt paul is writing to timothy just before his death and he's in prison, he's in Rome, he knows that, this, that pretty soon Nero is going to execute him. And sometimes between 65 and 67 AD, Paul was martyred for his faith in Jesus Christ. And he was more than likely under the age of 60, and he was, he was martyred for his belief in Jesus. But what did Paul want to, what did he want to do? He wanted to help people. He wanted to tell people about this Savior, Jesus Christ. He wanted people to know and experience the love that he has for his people, for the people that God has for them. And he would teach them and he would, he would perform healings, you know, through the power of God. He would defend the church. He would always be there. And he would preach with power and authority in the Holy Spirit. And he would encourage people. But yet, after all of these great missionary trips, after all of these great letters that he would write, after all of those troubles, the trials and tribulation, Paul found himself to be alone. He found himself to be hurt. He found himself to be in a place where we find ourselves at sometimes. And he's in prison, and he's writing this letter from prison. And how many know that in and, and whenever you are confined, if you think about back in 2020 when we were all in the lockdowns, we all got confined in this little house and it seemed like, oh man, we have such a big house. And then all of a sudden, about after three or four days, you realize how small it is and everyone's there and everyone's in a lockdown and you feel trapped and you feel anxiety. And I want to show you what Paul is going through here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9. It says this, do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. And when you come, bring the cloak I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the apartments the par parchments. Alexander, the metal worker, did me great harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. And you too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposes our message. And at my first offense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. Rejection, hurt, broken trust, 
opposition, all of that causes pain in our life and it causes hurt. And what do we do with that hurt? Because these feelings are real. When you get hurt, they are real. It's not just something you make up. You know what it is, what it feels like to be hurt. We all face those similar attacks in our life today. Maybe, maybe we not, may not be in a literal prison or in a literal, literal cell, but we understand what it feels like to be trapped in our emotions, to be trapped into our, our feelings and our thoughts. And it causes us to, to have our space get smaller and smaller. But sometimes we are placed inside of a room of our emotions and thoughts and we can't escape. It prisons our minds and holds us captive from living in the life of freedom and joy. It, it causes us to keep moving forward because of hurt and it stops us dead in our tracks. And there are different types of attacks that happen to us. Paul mentioned that this Demas who deserted and abandoned him, he was a believer in Christ, but he loved the world and he loved the world so much that he left the faith. And loving the world, you know, it's, it's, it's so much fun at that moment, you know. It's, it's kind of like that, that big old, you remember those signs that you used to see in the cities or when you travel, those Krispy Kreme signs, and they would flash on there hot, fresh, and, and you would know for sure that, that if you go in there, it's going to be a great experience. And, and we took years ago when Rochester had a Krispy Kreme, we took the kids to our youth group to Krispy Kreme Donuts, and, and we were there as they were coming down the conveyor going through this lava of icing and we would all sit there and I would say you know what I'm going to treat all these kids to something great and you know and as a good youth pastor you know I want to make sure they experience the hot and fresh Krispy Kreme and and so we would go there and and you know we would watch and they would come off they would be steaming you know and we'd have a dozen right in front of us and just like kids they would eat it all, and they would just, just, just down them. And, and I'm thinking, man, what a great youth pastor I am. And then 20 minutes later, what's for lunch? We're hungry. You know, it's like, because it's so good, but it's not fulfilling. And that's the way the world is, is that it's, it tempts us so much, and it looks so pleasing, but the results of it are usually emptiness and hurt and pain. And when we, when we try to, to Um, get past it, it seems to be hard and impossible because it hurts. Especially when you pour your life into someone, into a spouse, into a child, into a friend, into a sibling, into a boss, into a member of your church. And then all of a sudden they hurt you and it just feels like it's so empty and painful. People and children leave Christ to pursue their own pleasures and they no longer have that faith that you have. It's, It's hard. It's hard. I remember talking to an elderly gentleman and, and he was excited because he was thinking about going into the ministry and he wanted to, he wanted to pursue what he believed God was calling him to do. And, and even at a senior citizen's age, he says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go into ministry. And I was so excited. I asked him, I said, what does your family think about that? How does your family feel about that? And I could just see this, the, the pain just begin to build in his face. And he says, just pray for my grandkids. Pray for them. They need the Lord. And you could see how hurt he was, just like Paul was hurt with Demas, his, who left the faith because of the world. It hurts. It's real. And there are many different types of attacks that we face as individuals, people and circumstances that, that put us in a real fight with our emotions, with our mind, with our thoughts. They're physical, emotional, personal, and spiritual. The physical 
uh, fights are exactly that. They put us in harmful situations of abuse and, and bullying at school or at work and put us in dangerous situations where we fear for our very physical being. There are emotional fights as well, battles that we face that no one can see that happen in our lives that lead to unhealthy lifestyles, unbalanced lifestyles, uncontrolled thoughts that lead to depression and insecurity, moments of rage where all of a sudden because of all this anxiety that it's built up, all this pain and suffering, at a moment you just snap and you let it out on everybody. And then that usually leads to guilt and depression. There are some personal fights that we don't sign up for. When all of a sudden our health turns or our income is lost or our loved one seems to abandon us. Changes that come out of nowhere that you didn't expect and all of a sudden you feel hurt because of life and the stability that you thought you had is taken away in a moment and, and all of a sudden you just feel pain and hurt and suffering. There are spiritual fights that we get thrown into where Satan is just out to steal, kill, and destroy. And sometimes it seems like there's an all-out spiritual assault upon our souls. And people are being used sometimes. People, it seems like people are used by Satan to do his work, to just drive those nails deep into our back. And it just it hurts so much. So all of these different types of attacks that happen in our life, they are all the things that Paul is going through. And even in 2 Timothy, it's verse 14, where he said, chapter 4, verse 14, Alexander, the metal worker, did me great harm, and the Lord will repay him for what he has done. And you too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposes our message. You know, I personally knew of a, a person that would speak bad things about me. And they would go around town, and they would say bad things about me, and they would say things, they would even make up things, tell people, in the church, this was years ago, but they would tell people in the church things about me, and some of them would even leave the, left the church because of, of what they said, and it hurt. It really did hurt knowing that they were spreading lies about me and telling things that weren't true. And it was someone that I poured into, someone that I was there for, someone that I watched their kids and, and would be there with them and laugh with them and pray with them, and, and then all of a sudden they just got hurt and they just would just begin to say these things. Attacks against us physically, spiritually, emotionally, personally, they all lead to this loneliness of hurt. And you're surrounded by people, but yet you're alone. Haven't you felt like that sometimes? It's like you come to church and, and you're in this setting and everyone seems to be going, everything seems to be going great for everybody else. But deep down inside, you feel like you're just on an island all by yourself. And you start to think of the reasons why you're in this moment. You, sometimes we blame ourselves. Sometimes we blame other people. But the fact is, is that you start to feel alone and you're, you feel like a, a failure. And you, you're a disappointment to God. You're a disappointment to your family. And these attacks happen to all of us. And if you don't handle them correctly, they will put you in a prison and lock you there. And the only companion you will have will be your emotions of hurt and loneliness. And sometimes we don't handle hurt well. Sometimes we don't handle it correctly. I'll just give you a couple examples. Sometimes people use activity to cover up their hurt. They get busy all of a sudden. They start doing all these things to distract them from the pain. They, they keep themselves occupied and distracted all the time. And they're always on the move, always busy, but yet doing nothing. And once they have the moment to slow down when all the distractions are gone and they find themselves back in the same place 
where they are. Sometimes they try to use activities to, to cover up their hurt. Sometimes they try to use material to cover up the hurt. They try to fill up all the emptiness and all the pain with the things that can never satisfy. Things like ple- that are pleasurable for the moment, but they don't last. Clothes to cover up the wounds. Cars to drive away from the pain. Headphones to block out the noise. Gambling to buy more things that would please you. But it's never enough. And you end up in the same spot where you've always been. Sometimes people use substances to cover up the hurt. They, they begin to take alcohol or drugs and, and begin to do things to mask their loneliness and their hurt and their pain. They turn to alcohol to chase away the problems or to drugs to lift them up when their spirits are low. But at the end, after a brief moment, you're right back where you started from and nothing has changed. Sometimes people use affections to, to deal with hurt. They would turn to people are things to replace the broken trust and the abandonment that they feel. People start having affairs in their minds or lusting after things or wanting things they don't have. These thoughts lead to physical things as well. And they start wanting things they don't have, thinking that this girl or this guy would please them and help them to take away that hurt and loneliness, and it never does. It's only a brief moment, and they find out that they're right back where they were. So how do we fight this battle? How do we deal with hurt in a proper way? I believe that that in this chapter there's a few things that will help us, things that will get us beyond those things that cause hurt in our life. First of all, you have to keep an eternal perspective. You have to keep an eternal perspective. In verse 7, before the few verses before what we read this morning in 2 Timothy 4, 7, it says, I fought the good faith, I have finished the race, I have kept faith. Now there in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will, will reward me on that day, and not only me, but also to have all who longed for his appearing. I believe this, that you have to keep looking at the eternal perspective. The, if we would just put it in our terms, it would be the bigger picture. We'd have to see that there are things bigger, things bigger than just the moment that we are in or the feelings that we have. You know, we get so caught up in the details that we miss the overall that God is trying to do, do in our life. You know, it's like when I would watch a, a movie with my girls in the house, you know, because now my boys are gone and now we just got a bunch of women in the house and we'd watch a movie and it's a great mystery movie and the plot is thickening, it's turning and then, and then just right at the climax, right at that point where everything is going to be revealed, Olivia will burst out because she cannot help herself but have to talk during every single movie and she would say, I think those shoes do not match that outfit. And Ellie, I agree. And I just, and Lily, well, I, what outfit? I think it's fine. And mom would be like, yeah, and their hair. And, and, and then they'd all turn to me. What happened? Right? Because they're so caught up in the detail, they missed all of the big things. I was so hurt in 2014 when I thought that everything was falling apart and it was the worst moment for me in ministry and and the family was suffering in 2014. And all I remember over the years was I don't want to think about 2014. I don't want to even think about it because it was horrible and that's all I remember about 2014. And then I was going through my journal one day and I was going through 2014 and I write down everything that 
that is big or matters or I think is important. And I remember going through 2014. And all of a sudden, I start going through 2014 and I start to discover how God was doing some amazing things, how God did miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, where God literally fulfilled what he said to me on the day of, at the moment, at the last minute, every promise in 2014 came true. And I was like, whoa. But all I remembered was the hurt. All I remember was feeling lonely. All I remember was thinking God didn't love me because 2014 was so hard and I missed all of the great things that God did because I was so caught up in the hurt and the pain that I missed the big picture. God wants us to be people who do not forget the eternal perspective. We're going home one day to heaven where there are streets of gold. We're going one day to heaven where God is preparing a place for us to live. He's got these beautiful things called homes for us to enjoy. And Jesus is preparing, even at this moment, he is preparing those things for us. But we get so sidetracked and we never see the bigger picture because of hurt and pain. It makes our focus so small. But I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to going to my house one day in heaven. I'm looking forward to, to seeing all of the buddies that I've been reading about all those years, to see all my family and friends there. It's going to be exciting. I'm going to open my door. It's going to be painted in Honolulu blue. It's going to have a big old poster that says Detroit Lions Super Bowl champions. I mean, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. But when we get so caught up in the moment, we miss the details or we miss the big picture because we're so looking at our hurt and our moments. It's not easy to always look beyond. I know that. But you must keep an eternal perspective. Also, you must learn from bad experiences. Paul told, told about this guy named Alexandria who did great harm to him. And Paul said this about Alexandria, the Lord will repay him for what he has done. Now, I know that most of you don't know Greek, so let me translate this in the best I can. It says, God, Alexandria is a bad man. If you need any ideas of how to take care of him, let me know. I got a couple. It doesn't actually say that in Greek, but that's my thoughts, right? If someone hurts me, I'm like, God, just vengeance is mine, but Lord, use me. You know, it's, it's like we want to get back at the people, but yet Paul was saying this for a reason. He says, the Lord will repay him for what he has done. Give it over to God and learn from those experiences because what, what did Paul do? Paul told Timothy about it. Hey, this is a bad situation. This is a bad thing. Be aware of it. God's going to take care of it, but be aware of it. You, should, you too should be on your guard against him because he has strongly opposed our message. Ask yourself, what can I learn from this moment? What lesson is God trying to teach me so that I would learn and that I can teach others to protect themselves? It's important to learn those lessons that we've learned over the years. When I think about the things that my parents have taught me over the years, I think of two things. I think of, number one, a broken nose, and I think of potholes. Those are the things that my parents have taught me deeply. The broken nose and the potholes. Now first, the broken nose. When I broke my nose because Fred rammed his knee into it, the first thing my mom told me was, you better forgive him. You better forgive him. And I'm thinking, Mom, don't tell me this right now. Vengeance is mine and I'm going to get him. 
forgive them. And I remember that lesson. And that experience has taught me over the years to be quickly forgiving towards others, to not let it reside in your heart. So you learn those things. And the other thing is potholes. My dad taught me about potholes. Don't hit them. Avoid them. Why? Because when those potholes, you hit those potholes, you don't really see the damage that it does to the car. But eventually you will. Because if you hit too many of those, or you hit the curb, or you hit the things that you know, are causing sudden movements to the tire, you're going to destroy your ball joints, and that whole thing's going to fall off one day. Avoid the potholes. My daughter Olivia, she has her license. Ellie's going to be getting her license soon. And I always avoid them. They are so focused on driving, and yet they can't see this big old hole in the middle of the street. Don't hit the potholes. Learn from those experiences. And then, not only do you keep an eternal perspective, but, and you learn from bad experiences, but you also forgive them. You also find forgiveness in your heart. Paul was heading to trial. He was a man of gospel, the gospel, and he wanted to take it to the farthest parts of the world. And, and he was a spiritual father to many. He was a church planner. He was a pioneer. He was a man who gave everything to Jesus and everything to people. And the moment when he needed the support that he needed, and the moment when he needed people to be there, what did he say? At my defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. Paul was a man who was real. That, that even though he helped all these people, the moment he needed people, everyone left him. Everyone deserted him. No one stood by his side. No one came to his defense. No one come, came and stood before the council of, of Rome and said, hey, Paul is a good man. He didn't do anything wrong. No one did that. Matter of fact, he tells, tells us that everyone deserted him. No one wanted to be around him. No one would come to bring him support. But in that moment of hurt and pain, do you know what Paul's response was? May it not be held against them. May it not be held against them. Why did Paul make forgiveness such a priority in his life? It's because this is what Jesus taught us to do. Where Jesus said in Luke 23, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Jesus is there being crucified by people. He is being tortured and beaten and he's being put on a cross. And when he is on the cross looking down at the people, he said these words, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. In the middle of crucifixion, in the middle of suffering, it took this moment, Jesus took this moment to find time to forgive people. To forgive people. Now, this is just a lesson that I have learned over the years. That forgiveness really isn't about them. It's about us. It's about protecting our hearts. It's about guarding our soul, our life. Because when we hold unforgiveness in our heart, it eats us up. My son was telling me just the other day about his roommate that did something that he did not like and it bothered him. And he was mad, and I said, son, you got to forgive him. I said, you got to forgive him. He goes, but dad, but dad. I said, you got to forgive him and move on and treat him like he is innocent. Treat him like he deserves the grace and the mercy that God has shown you. But dad, but dad. And I said this. I said, let me tell you something. The friend that hurt you is not going around right now saying, oh, I hurt Tony. How bad, how bad of a friend I am. He's not even thinking about you. 
but yet you are walking around with all of these thoughts of hurt and pain and you can't find forget. It's tearing you up more than it is them. And so I encourage you, find that in your heart. In the words of Jesus, may it not be held against them. Forgive people. It is one of the hardest things to do. And sometimes we have to do it over and over again. But you must do it. You must do it. I, I just, for me, I always have to do something to go out and bless someone. When they hurt me, I bless them. And, and that's why, you know, when, 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 when someone causes pain in my life, the first thing I think of is, Lord, you have forgiven me all the time. How could I not forgive other people? And I go out of my way to ask for forgiveness. And, and whether they accept it or not is not your, it's not your job. It's not your job, but you must extend forgiveness. And Paul said, Paul said, may it not be held against them. And so if you want to be a person who deals with hurt, keep an eternal perspective. Learn from your experience. Offer forgiveness. Forgive, forgive, forgive. And then finally, recognize that God is with you. That in your hurt, we feel alone, we feel separated, we feel abandoned, we feel rejected. And this is what Paul said in verse 17. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered to the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. Now I want you to see Paul's heart here. Because Paul makes some statements that I think are important. He says, the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. He recognized that God's presence was with him. Even when people hurt, even when people hurt you, even when people abandon you, or even when people cause you suffering, you must know that the Lord is always there. He is faithful. But this is what he said to in verse 18. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. Paul made this statement in verse 18. Paul made this statement while he was still going through his trial. While he was still in the middle of it. Paul knew that the Lord will deliver me. He will rescue me. Sometimes we must make that statement of faith. Sometimes we must recognize that God is here and I am going to declare that he is going to rescue me. He is going to save me from every evil attack and bring me safely to the place called home. I want us to remember these things because all of us go through hurt. Sometimes we're the source of the hurt. Sometimes people just hurt us for no reason. Sometimes we get hurt and we don't even, we don't even know where it came from. But let the Holy Spirit tell you and show you so that you can keep an eternal perspective. You can learn from the experiences that you've had. You can offer forgiveness and you can know that his presence is with you. I know that I have hurt you. I know I've hurt my family. But God is good. And he has got us through all these things over the years. And he will continue to get, get us through all these things. So keep on trying to deal with hurt in the right way. Don't hide behind things. Don't let things try to take away the pain. Deal with it. Because when you deal with it, 
When you get to the heart of the issue, that's when you can move on. When you resolve it, that's when you can move on. It's kind of like people who, who have a car problem and they, they just have a little tick, 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 tick in their engine and they just try to pretend that it's going to go away or they turn up the radio louder or they you know, just learn to ignore it or people who drive with that, that engine light that says service light, serve engine soon. It's telling you there's a problem. And hurt is a way of telling us that there's a problem. And when you deal with it and when you fix it, man, you get to drive smooth. You get to drive through life knowing that God is with you, that he's bringing you to a heavenly place, that you can learn from the experience to avoid those potholes in life. And when people do hurt you, you can forgive because God has forgiven you.